Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Visitor's Bullpen. I'm Matt Wyack, alongside my co-host, Kevin Haswell. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Uh, glad to have you back on the show. Missed you last week. We had two special guests last week. It was a fun show, but nothing like having Matt on the show. Um, we'll be talking to his favorite team this week, the Nationals, so it uh, should be a good show. Yeah, Nationals are looking up right now, but took all-star break of, all-star break of my own, excuse me, Last week, uh, went down to the Caribbean. It was a good time. Uh, got some sun. So back at it, though. Ton of baseball left to be played. Stretch run. You got the trade deadline coming up. There's a whole lot of things to talk about, and we're going to dive right into it. So as Kevin said, we're going to first go to my favorite team and the one, this issue close to my heart, the Nationals bullpen, one of the biggest storylines this year in all of baseball. They've struggled, as everyone knows, all season with blown saves, handling the ninth inning, and really handling any inning up to that. Dusty Baker's been stretching out his starters way too much. He's had four of their starters are in the top, I believe, six in pitches per game. So you look at how that's going to affect the starters at the end of the season. Um, just not sure. But they did make a move to rectify that by acquiring Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen uh, earlier this week from the Oakland A's. Didn't have to deal much. They did let go of Blake Trinan and Jesus Luzardo, who is in their top 10 prospects, as well as Sheldon Noose, also a top 10 prospect. So while they weren't guys that maybe were headline deals, they are in their top 10. So definitely a little bit of a hit to them. But at the same time, it leaves them a lot of prospects to make a couple other moves. So, Kevin, I will ask you this first. Which prospects do you think uh, they should still say are untouchable? And who do you think they're actually going to make a move for? There's one prospect I think everyone knows, Victor Robles. I, I don't think they can trade him. There's there's no way, um, especially for a reliever. I mean, if you're getting a top-of-the-line position player or a starter, then maybe you think about dealing him, their number one prospect. But I just don't see that being a smart move in trading him for, for a reliever. Um, I think the reliever they should go after is the closer for the Cincinnati Reds, Rocio Iglesias. Uh He's been terrific this year as the Reds' closer, currently boasting a 1.61 ERA and striking out batters at 11.1 times per nine innings. Uh, he signed through the 2020 season uh, on a team-friendly seven-year, $27 million deal. Uh, 25 years old, ensures that the Nationals have a closer for not only this year, but more years to come. Uh, I think he, w- if they were to deal for Iglesias, he would be the closer over Doolittle. Um, I'm more of a fan of Iglesias. Uh, the one issue that comes along is is the price. The price is going to be expensive with the years of control and the age. Um, I think Juan Soto, who uh, was number three, I'm not sure where he is on other lists, uh, Nationals prospect, I think he will be likely to be uh, given up in the deal. Uh, I don't see a scenario where they trade Robles for, for a closer. Um, the market's showing that the Nationals will probably have to give up one of their top three prospects, who I think would be Soto plus two or three other prospects um, for a guy of Iglesias' age and, and friend, team-friendly contract. Um, but, yeah, Iglesias would be my pick for the, for the Nationals the rest of the season uh, as the trade deadline comes along. You know, I have been a big fan of Iglesias this season, watched him do that down in Cincinnati. However, with the rumors that have been flying around, it doesn't seem like Cincinnati's going to be very keen on letting him go. They're definitely hearing offers, as any rebuilding team will. But at the same time, he's someone who they see in their long-term plans. He's affordable. 
he is getting up there in age for a prospect, but at the same time, he's got a lot of control and a lot of room to grow still. So uh, there's some upside there. So I don't really think they're going to let him go. So I think a more realistic uh, target for the Nats would be Justin Wilson of the Tigers, who I've also been a big fan of. I did say about a month ago that if the Nats didn't acquire Wilson and Madsen, I'd be pretty disappointed with the deadline. So they're halfway there, Rizzo. Uh, but Wilson's been pretty effective. He's got a 2.29 ERA in 35 innings this year. He has 10 saves, only allowed four home runs all season, a 191 ERA plus. Those are pretty outstanding numbers, uh, especially in the American League. So I think he is lefty, which does put the Nats in a bit, a little bit of a pickle because of all the left-handers they already have in their bullpen between Doolittle and Eddie Romero and Oliver Perez and Sammy Solis, who is on now down in AAA after being demoted, who also spent a lot of the time on the disabled list. So they would have a lot of lefties to sort out if they did pick up Wilson. But he would be the most affordable name on the market, while the Tigers are definitely taking advantage of slim pickings on the market. Uh, they're going to require... a Big haul coming back from the Nats. I don't think they're going to trade Robles. I don't think with Harper uh, potentially leaving in a few years, it doesn't seem like the smart move long-term, even if it does bring you a World Series, um, which, I mean, they can't know that for sure now. So they have Juan Soto, as you mentioned, Kevin, who is basically has the same offensive upside as Robles, just not the defensive. Robles was the all-defensive team last year. Soto is really only known for his bat. So I can realistically see them parting ways with him. But the guy I really think they're going to end up dealing is Carter Keboom. He's a middle infield prospect within their top five on MLB.com. Um, with, they have Rendon locked up long-term. They have Trey Turner locked up long-term. It's really only Daniel Murphy, who will be leaving the same year Harper does. They don't have secured, and they can always re-sign him. So, well, can't always. But that would ideally be the plan is if they swing and miss on Harper, they at least land one or two more guys because they have a lot of payroll coming off the books that year. So I think they do key boom just because they're not really going to have a need for them necessarily. There's going to be plenty of middle infielders that are free agents that offseason. They're going to be able to have a lot of money coming off the books. They'll be able to sign a few guys. I don't think they foresee second base or shortstop being a problem anytime soon. So I think they're going to end up dealing Carter key boom, whose stock has really raised this season. Um, but that's my two cents. I think Wilson's the most realistic target. Um, but Ken Rosenthal, slight tangent, which will lead us into our next topic. Kevin, Ken Rosenthal did talk today. He wrote, uh, He's actually been let go by Fox Sports for their writing. He only does video content for them now, so he's actually a freelance writer at the moment. So he's been posting on Facebook uh, short articles and stuff. And something he wrote today was that the Yankees are in an interesting position because with the trade that we're going to dive into in a little bit, that they made, they let go of Clippard, but brought in David Robertson. Now, Robertson, Dellen Batansis, and Aroldis Chapman is a pretty fearsome bullpen, and one that would absolutely be more than effective in the postseason. However, they've got an embarrassment and riches in the bullpen, but in the starting rotation, not so much. So, Rosenthal said, what if they dealt Batansis? Now, he has the same amount of control that Andrew Miller had when he was traded by the Yankees last year, except Batances is owed six less million a year annually. So what kind of return do you think you're going to get? Like a Sonny Gray type, or you look over at Justin Verlander maybe, that's potentially some good landing spots. However, the Nats could offer a pretty, pretty good prospect package for him. 
if the Yankees decided to go that route. However, with where they're at right now in terms of contending, that doesn't help them a lot. But the Nationals do have a couple of major league ready prospects in Eric Fetty and Austin Voth. Voth has kind of had a down season, but Fetty is right on the brink of the major leagues. If the they can convince the Yankees to believe in him enough, they probably could work him into a deal for Batansis. So that's definitely something that Rizzo should be making calls on. I'm sure he is. But it's an interesting idea if the Yankees do decide to let Batansis go because they'll have a lot of options in the trade market. Yeah, I, I like what Rosenthal, where Rosenthal is going in with this, but I just don't, I wouldn't understand trading for Robertson and then trading Batantis. I mean, they they may, I know they need help with their starting pitching, and I, and, but tr- trading with the Nationals for some prospects isn't going to help their rotation for the rest of the season. Uh, they really have to de- believe in these guys, these prospects to come up later in the season, uh, but still no playoff experience. I, I think the Yankees. I mean, we'll we'll jump into it, but I think the Yankees trade yesterday was was not a great trade for them. I, I don't. They already had a bullpen that was terrific with Batances and Chapman. I mean, I know this year has not been great as for past years. Chapman's not pitched as well, and Batances kind of fallen off since making the All Star team. But the, you have to trust those guys. Those are two of the best relievers in baseball, and you, you have to trust them the rest of the way. And I don't understand giving up Rutherford. I don't understand uh, giving up Clippard, which Clippard's not a huge piece, but you have to believe he would also pitch better down the stretch. Um, they obviously didn't trust that. And then they they traded for, I mean, they needed a third baseman, but they traded for Todd Frazier, who is hitting 207, and usually when he's hitting around 200 it's fine because he's hitting a ton of home runs but only 16 home runs i know uh the white Sox stadium is not hitter friendly but still only 16 home runs 207 batting average that trade just didn't make sense for me it looked like the yankees are kind of reaching um not a fan matt what do you think of that trade well it was an interesting one to just go over it real quick the yankees traded with the white Sox, picking up robertson Frazier and Tommy Conley, a uh, reliever also from the White Sox, for Rutherford, veteran reliever Tyler Clippard, and minor league pitchers Ian Clarkin and Tito Polo. Now, the Yankees do lead the majors in blown saves this year, and which is actually a misleading stat because, as a lot of people don't know, you can actually get blown saves before the ninth inning. So it's not all on the shoulders of Chapman, who has definitely not been himself this year, but I mean, aside from Adam Warren and Chad Green and Dylan Batances, that solid top four, yes, it's good. But with how the rotation has pitched, they haven't been going deep into games, and so they've been needed help from more guys like Tyler Clippard, who has 4.95 ERA, Luis Sessa, who has a 4.61, uh, Jonathan Holder, who only had a 3.5. While ERA is probably a misleading stat for relievers, it still is concerning to see all those high numbers. Uh, out of a bullpen that's supposed supposedly going to be picking up a poor rotation. So they kind of now do have an embarrassment of riches in terms of late-inning talent, but I think it was a good trade if they're looking at their entire bullpen as a whole. Uh, Conley is a sneaky good pickup. He hasn't gotten a lot of attention, but he's absolutely going to be a vital piece for them moving forward. So even if they do decide to trade Batances, they're still going to have Conley added to that bullpen rotation in addition to what they already had, which is an upgrade in itself. And then switching over to Todd Frazier, 
he's actually a, a pretty underrated third baseman in terms of his offense. Now, he doesn't have the batting average that a lot of people might come to love, you know, only hitting 207, sure. But his OPS plus is a 105, which means he is 5% better than the average player. And that's no small feat. I mean, third base is a tough position. He plays average defense, and he hits the occasional bomb. He's already got 16 on the year. He had 40 last year, 35 the year before, 29 the year before that. Uh, the power is going to be there. They've had such a hole at third base this year. And, I mean, it's a double-edged sword because they're also hurting the Red Sox, who have had Pablo Sandoval at third base for most of the year, who's now DFA'd and a free agent with how bad he's been playing. So this not only helps them in terms of picking up their third base production, but it also hurts the Red Sox because the market just gets that much thinner for a third baseman. So I like the trade, uh, especially with how they've slid recently. They kind of need a spark, and this could be the spark that really helps them out because a, a trade can do a lot for a clubhouse, and it, it'll show the players that management is really going in on this season because, you know, one thing with prospects is players don't really care about holding on to those guys that'll be there in six playing in four, three or four years because they won't be around in three or four years. So they want to win that championship now, and they want to see their ownership show that same kind of rigor. So in terms of what it does to the clubhouse, I think it's a huge boost for him. Todd Frazier is a great guy. Everyone that has ever played with him raves about him. Same with David Robertson. So I think this is a really big boost for the Yankees, and it really hurts the Red Sox. So absolutely great job by Brian Cashman. He's been uh, he's actually a free agent GM after this season, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do with that. But uh, he's been, over the past two years, brilliant as a general manager, and I'm looking forward to what the Yankees are going to do down the stretch. They're definitely going to have to show up that, that starting rotation, though, uh, outside of Severino, Sabathia, and you know Tanaka's not pitching well. They, they need some other starters, you know, Pineda, Tommy John surgery, so they won't have him the rest of the year. Uh, the Yankees... I mean, they made a trade. They did get better, but they're not going to be able to make the playoffs with the current rotation. So you figure over the next two weeks before the deadline, they're going to make a deal for a starter. Uh, Matt, what, what kind of starter do you think they're going to go after? Well, I mean, Sonny Gray is the top logical target, I think. he's doesn't have great numbers, and I've already argued this with Todd Frazier, but I'm going to say it with Sonny Gray as well. That's kind of ballooned by a few bad starts. I don't think his numbers are really reflective of the talent that he has displayed this season. Scouts have said that he's on top of his breaking balls, that he's really showing signs of his old former self, who was a Cy Young candidate. So I think he's the best available pitcher. I don't understand all the hype for Justin Verlander at the moment. He's been good, but he hasn't been vintage Verlander, which, I mean, obviously is some of the best pitching you'll ever see. But at the same time... He has 4.66 ERA. His FIP is still over 4. His whip is a 1.5. He's giving up home runs. I just don't see that all that hype around him. And with the contract that he owed, uh, he's owed, I mean, he's still owed less than, I mean, this year it's $28 million, So whatever left of that, plus $28 million the next two years, and a vesting option uh, for 2020. So I don't really like the moves to pick up Verlander, I don't understand why the Tigers are being so hard to negotiate with about him because of, I mean, the Cubs jumped in on Quintana after talks fell through with Verlander. So uh, he was clearly their first choice and they blew it by letting him slip away. And I think that, you know, teams are going to wise up to this and be like, with the amount of money that we're going to have to pay him, unless you're willing to take a big chunk of his salary, 
we're really not going to get anywhere in talks. So I like Sonny Gray. I think he's the best starting pitching option. Kevin, what, what do you think? Uh, I really like the Sonny Gray pick too. Uh, you know, he's he's younger than Verlander as well. Um, he struggled over the last couple of seasons, but with the young age, uh, more of a team-friendly deal than Verlander, of course, you're paying him less money. But he probably will cost you uh, more of your farm system than a Verlander would. So uh, if I was the Yankees, yes, obviously I'd go after Sonny Gray. But the price might be cheaper for Verlander. We'll see if the Tigers want to budge a little bit. Uh, they're probably feeling how all high and mighty after they trade J.D. Martinez. And they got a, a decent haul for him. So uh, it'll be an interesting uh, next couple weeks for the Yankees. They, they need to sure that, sure up that starting rotation. Yeah, the Tigers were in a tough spot with Martinez. Reportedly, only the Indians were the other team in on him. Uh, with outfielders not really being a big need this year, the trade market was kind of thin for him. The Diamondbacks actually don't have a single prospect within MLB.com's top 100, which is crazy. Um, so for them to pick up, they're basically getting four of their top prospects, or was it three? Um, in with three, with already a thin farm system as it is, that's definitely going to hurt them down the line. I think the Diamondbacks are legit, though. They're definitely competing in the NL West, and I like the move for them. But in terms of the Tigers, they worked with what they had, and I thought they made a good deal. They're definitely going to be holding a pretty high price tag on Justin Wilson, and with the way he's pitched, you can't blame him. But with Verlander, I think they need to loosen up a bit and let some teams you know, take that contract off their shoulders because they're not going to be contending this year, they're probably not going to be contending next year either. So it might be a good idea to tear down a little bit and wait for that 2018 free agent class and try and get some under-the-radar guys because there's going to be a lot of money flying around in that free agent class. But that also means that while the top guys like Harper and Machado and Arietta, well, I guess if Arietta doesn't turn it around, maybe not, but some of those other guys at the top of the class, if they're making all that money, you know, there's not going to be as much for the rest of them. So there might be some bargain contracts at the bottom of that free agent class they'll be able to do. And with the, the solid core that they have, they just need a better supporting cast. Just they've been t tied down with so many big contracts. So I can definitely see them uh, working their way around that free agent class and getting a few under-the-radar guys and contending after that. But Verlander, decent picture at this point in his career. Just shouldn't be held as highly as he has been. Now, we have been talking a lot of relievers, and we're not done yet. The Baltimore Orioles are reportedly making all three of their big-name relievers available in trades. That's Zach Britton, Darren O'Day, and Brad Bratch. Uh, Kevin, do you think that's a good idea by them? I mean, they're a season away from being in the wild, AL wildcard game. They're one of the best teams in baseball over the past five years when you look at regular season win totals. They have good core Machado's fallen off this year but other than that they've still got some stars on that team do you think it's a good idea for them to tear down a little bit yeah it it's been a long time coming for the Orioles you know it seems like season after season they just have a lack of starting pitching and it, it seems like it finally caught up with them this year with Dylan Bundy being the only starter pitching decently uh Chris Tillman not pitching well Kevin Gosman not pitching as well either and then the Britain injury has also hurt them this year not having him uh, Brad Brock's been pretty good at the end of games, but they just haven't been up. So, you know, the Orioles are sitting eight games out of the AL East right now, and they are sitting four games out of the wild card. So, if I'm, they have one of the worst farm systems in baseball. So, if I'm them, 
I look to deal as much as possible and to build up that farm system. But, you know, there's some teams out there that are looking for relievers, like the, the Brewers. They have 24 losses from their relievers this year, a, a 4.08 ERA. Um, they would be definitely looking for uh, one of those three big guys. And then, you know, I know they won't deal with the Nationals, but if if the price was right and the deal was right, I think it could happen. So the Nats, 5.26 ERA out of their bullpen. So I think the Orioles are making the right move. Um, looking, They need to look more towards the future because they're going to run into the same problems year after year, especially as their veteran, or as their key players like Trumbo and Chris Davis, those guys get older. You're going to need some young guys to come back in. And, you know, Adam Jones, still solid year after year, but at some point those guys get old. You need, you're going to need a farm system. And if you look at some of the best teams in baseball nowadays, they all have a good roster along with a good farm system because that's the way to go. I mean, I know you talked about the Diamondbacks earlier with a weak farm system. There are a couple teams like that, but the Nationals, strong farm system. Cubs, strong farm system. Yankees, strong farm system. Red Sox, same. There's a lot of teams. and Don't forget the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers, very strong. So, I mean, if you're the Orioles, I don't, I don't know how you don't sell. Uh, they might look at that four games. Uh, they're out of the wild card right now and think, man, we have a shot. I don't know if we should do it. But I know they, they gave the okay to trade those guys. I definitely think they'll trade Seth Smith. I think there's a need for him out there. Um, great hitting outfielder. Uh, can also play the field pretty well. So I, I think the Orioles need to sell, but I'm not sure if I'm buying the fact that they're going to sell. Yeah, Angelos has always been a stubborn owner. Uh, I'm not a huge fan personally with the way he's kind of had his team run. But I agree that four-game disparity in the AL wildcard race is kind of a mirage because they've got six teams standing in their way before they even get into the playoff spot. So it's not like those four games are, you know, you make up that and you're there. You've got to beat out all of those teams in front of you. And you've got teams, some like the the Angels and the Twins, who maybe you might not think will stick around, but you've got some hot teams like the Mariners. Royals have actually fallen off a little bit, so have the Rangers. But there's the Rays, Yankees, and Red Sox battling it out for those top three spots right now. And personally, I think it'd be a great idea for Baltimore to sell. While I'd love for them to give us some of their give the Nats some of their relievers. I don't think it's going to happen with the Masson dispute, but there's plenty of teams looking for relief help right now. It's probably the hottest thing on the market. So with the their trio that they have, which has been absolutely dominant over the past few years, there's really no question as to the kind of prospect calls that they can get. Britain has serious demand when he's healthy, which he has struggled to stay healthy this year. He's the best reliever in baseball. Should have been the Cy Young last year, in my opinion. I will fight you to the death on that. Uh, been a huge supporter of Britain over the past year or so. Um, and Brad Bratch, who is affordable and filled in for Britain while he was hurt this year, did an excellent job. He might even be at higher demand than Britain is because of the years of control that he has and everything. So... I think it'd be a great idea for them to try and tear down a little bit. I'm a big supporter of teams, you know, they look at the season and they're like, okay, we're not going to we're not going to win a World Series. We might as well take advantage of being out of this uh wild card race and sell a little bit. While they're not out of the wild card race, that 
two game the two teams that make it now kind of give gives everyone the illusion that they're in it but in reality they just don't have a good enough team and with the way the offense has kind of underperformed and the pitching staff hasn't been able to carry its weight at all I don't doubt at all that the Orioles will eventually sell I mean you've got another 10 days or so so it's about damn time yeah they they definitely need to sell but like you said the owner is stubborn so who knows if it happens but I mean if you look at like like you said Zach Britton probably the best reliever in baseball when healthy people you know with the injuries and everything he still has a 1.80 ERA in 15 innings this year so he's still pitching well uh, you know, 2014, 1.65, 2015, 1.92, and then last year, uh, under 0.6 for the ERA. So he's top of the line, and it, it would be very interesting how how good their farm system could be if they dealt all three of those relievers and, you know, said, hey, we're going to start from scratch and dealt all three of those guys because they still have a great lineup. And if they deal for some good starting arms, you know, with Bundy being young still and Gosman being young, they they have the potential to have a good rotation and and maybe a good bullpen again. They just need to kind of swallow their pride, uh, wave the white flag, and move on and build their farm system. But I guess time will tell with the trade deadline coming in in ten days, like you said. Um, but the Orioles need to sell. They need to sell. Yeah, I mean they don't even have to look farther than their division to really see. I mean look at what the Yankees did uh, last year, trading Miller and. Chapman that immediately brought them back back into the race. They're refusing to trade any of those guys that are close to being MLB ready or helping already. So, like Clint Frazier, for example. So, that's just an embarrassment of riches for them, and that's something that the Orioles could absolutely take advantage of. And Duquette, he's no slouch. He's a great GM and a smart guy, and I think he probably wants to sell. I, you know, Angelos had to give him permission to let go of these relievers. So. It's definitely something that he's thinking that they should do. It's just been of whether or not uh, ownership could get on track with it. So now that it looks like they are, uh, they're making the right move. And even though their Baltimore fans will be disappointed they're out of it for a season, I'm sure they'll be able to have a quick turnaround with the packages that they hopefully get and be able to jump back right, right back into the playoff race next season or the year after. Well, it's crazy because you look at the Yankees last year, and I'm uh, pretty sure their farm system was bottom 10 in Major League Baseball before they made all those trades. Quickly jumped to the top 10 in Major League Baseball uh, farm system. So it it shows, and the, and the Orioles have more more to deal. They could deal all three relievers if they wanted to. And it's just, it's crazy how fast with the deals nowadays you can turn around your organization. And I think it's it's there's no better time to do it than right now for the Orioles. I mean, they still have young pitching. Uh, the lineup's great, and uh, they they don't really need the bullpen if you're not winning games. So uh, definitely, definitely need to sell. Absolutely. Real quick, we've only got a few minutes, but we did want to jump into Yoan Moncada, who is being called up by the White Sox for his Chicago debut and 2017 debut. He did come up briefly for the Red Sox last season, played eight games, 20 plate appearances, hit 211 with a 37 OPS plus, but... In such a small sample size, it's tough to make any judgments, although he did have 12 strikeouts. However, he won the Futures Game MVP last season. He was traded over the offseason in that Chris Sale deal. Uh, he was the headline package. He's the number one 
prospect on nearly every ranking in the books. So he is the guy that everybody is talking about in the minor leagues right now, and now we're going to get to see him get a taste of the majors. Kevin, what do you think about the switch hitting phenom? Uh, I think he's great. You know, power, speed, 12 home runs in AAA and 17 stolen bases. Uh, the one issue I see offensively is the strikeouts. He's striking out one of every three at-bats in AAA. Um, that's a huge issue. And then uh, Bernie Pleskoff of FanRag Sports noted that not only did Moncada struggle with the strikeouts, he also struggles a bit defensively. So uh, at 21 years old, you figure that he can turn it around, uh, you know, improve on the defense. They said he's only played uh, two, year, two years of professional ball outside of America before he come, came to the major leagues. So there's still a lot of room to grow there. Um, I think he's going to be terrific offensively for at least the next two years, but I think he needs to come around defensively, and he needs to learn how to put the ball in play. I know uh, I, I heard the stat the other day, but not only do – I know that everyone wants to talk about the home runs and how there's been the most home runs in the major leagues this year by – by a wide margin, but they've also been the most strikeouts. Um, so it's kind of the way that the game is going right now. It's it's swing for the fences or strike out, and he's striking out a lot. But I think if he can turn around, maybe cut the strikeout rate in half and play okay defensively, I think Moncada is going to be up for the rest of his career. Yeah, you know, I think he's lauded for his power, but I haven't seen a lot of it at the minor league level. He hit 12 home runs in AAA this year in 80 games. While that's good, and over a full season, you'd think that's over 20 home runs. You know, what he's being touted as, you'd think he'd be hitting for a little bit more power. And like you said, the ball isn't being hit in play as much either. There's a lot of strikeouts, although he is hitting over 280. So you can't hate too much what he's been doing for Chicago down in uh, Charlotte. But I do think he's going to be a great player. I mean, as everyone says with every top prospect, you know, he's got a lot of potential. He's only 22 right now. He's a switch hitter. He is not as great defensively, but he does have a strong arm. So while that doesn't really matter at second base, he's athletic enough to really play all over the diamond. So while he might be playing second right now, we'll be curious to see how the White Sox decide to use him over the next few years. No, it's it's interesting because we were talking about the Yankees and the Red Sox earlier and how... You know, both teams really needed a third baseman, and Moncada can play third base. So I know Chris Sale has been a top three pitcher in the major leagues this year, but it makes you think that, I mean, they still had a good rotation last year. They got even better this year. Uh, some guys not pitching as well, but they it makes you wonder if they they could have had, they could have used Moncada right now at third base, you know, a jolt of energy with a team that you know is kind of up and down this season. So uh, I know they had to give him up to get Chris Sale, but it would have been interesting if the Red Sox ended up keeping him. Well, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for joining us. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt Wyrick at Matt Talk Sports. This is Kevin Haswell at Kevin R. Haswell. Again, thank you all for joining us. See us again next week on the next episode of the Visitor's Bullpen. Have a great one, guys. Thanks, guys.